My guest this week is Ryan McGuire. Ryan is the volleyball coach at Baylor University. Ryan has turned Baylor into a perennial winner, having led the 2019 team to the Final Four. During our conversation, Ryan and I talk about the importance that his parents played in his life. We talk about a fearless walk-on that helped get Baylor going, standards versus rules, and much, much more. This episode is packed with great wisdom. You will you will see um, you'll get a great feel for Ryan's wisdom, his faith, and his character as you listen to this episode, um, and you'll be able to see why he has had so much success. So uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this. Again, I sound like a broken record. Get get your pen and paper ready um, because this is one that where you're going to learn a lot. So without further ado, my conversation with Ryan McGuire. Ryan, thanks, man, for uh, carving some time out while you're on your retreat in Utah. I want to get to that a little bit later, but why don't you walk us through your journey from high school to present day? Yeah, Travis, thanks for having me. Uh, high school, man, such a formative years. Obviously, that starts ninth grade, but I got to dip back just a little bit to eighth grade. Uh, summer in between eighth and ninth grade, I uh, was soccer was kind of my main sport and uh, unfortunately broke my leg in a uh, all-star tournament in Hawaii, like day three of this 10 day trip and uh, no parasailing, no snorkeling, no surfing, just don't get sunburned, don't get uh, sand in this cast there. And, you know, in eighth grade, I, I was fortunate, you know, quarterback flag football team, point guard basketball team. And ninth grade, I started, um, on crutches with a bad break, Achilles tendon issues. So I couldn't go out for any fall sports. And uh, probably the most influential coach in my life was uh, Robert Winger, who's been coaching junior high flag football, basketball, probably almost 25, 30 years now. And um, he allowed me to come back instead of playing uh, anything in high school, ninth grade, because I couldn't in the fall uh, kind of coach with him. And, and as a young young, young man, let me be the offensive coordinator of the football team that I just played with a year ago. And uh, I did about five, let's see, six, six years of uh, junior high flag football. And I thought that was my calling in life. And I, I loved it. So all through high school, I was coaching flag football in the fall. Mm. And, um, it, you know, the, uh, the high school at the time did not have uh, tennis for just one year, they dropped tennis. I'm, I'll go out for volleyball to stay in shape for basketball in the winter. And uh, had some other great coaches, Barb and Dave Heron, a married couple, and uh, fell in love with the sport of volleyball. So in graduating high school, I uh, went to Biola University, and that allowed me. I thought I was going to go Boston College or cross country. I was growing up in Southern California, but uh, chose Biola just uh, really because it let me keep coaching the boys football in the fall and the boys volleyball uh, eventually at the high school level in the spring. So uh, a few years in, the AD made me uh, give up football to help out the girls volleyball program. And I, I girls had cooties to me still, even, even kind of in college. And I only had a brother. So I really knew nothing about girls, to be honest. And uh, that was probably the scariest moment of my life, coaching JV girls volleyball. And, uh, I could tell you so many stories, so many mistakes I made or encouraging them loudly and, and there'd be tears. But uh, I really, you know, they were just so appreciative. And, and you know, that was probably the start of a, a journey. So uh, in graduating from Biola University, 
Um, my senior year, I was blessed, fortunate to be assistant coach with the uh, women's volleyball program. My senior year is NAIA school. Loved it. Great experience. Uh, coached my sister-in-law that year. I'm like three months older than her. And then um, did my grad assistant at uh, NC State. So did move cross country. So thought about maybe extending my volleyball career. Just did did men's club, but, um, you know, had some opportunities, maybe play another year or two, either overseas or uh, maybe division one, but definitely wanted to get into the coaching aspect of it. And uh, a year later, um, Biola called and asked me to, uh, to come back and take the head coaching job. Uh, I honestly had said no a couple times. I hadn't finished my master's at NC State, but uh, yeah, I think one of those athletes prayed me back into taking it. And, and uh, I think I was 21 years old when I said yes and 22 when the season started. So definitely and I still remember the jitters of the first national anthem and oh my goodness, I hope people don't figure out I don't really know what I'm doing. I love this, but let's see how it goes. So um, I spent three years there and then uh, got married and, and needed to make some a little bit more money and took a job at California Baptist University, Southern California, coached the men's and women's team there for uh, about a decade. Uh, God did some amazing things, beautiful story there. Um, three national championships on the women's side, six championships on the men's side, but a lot of lives transformed, a lot of real just honest miracles and uh, definitely had the, you know, the one win and 19 losses in conference in there that uh, I hope, you know, every coach goes through one of those rough seasons that really strips you down and builds you up. But uh, moved on from there to uh, University of Maryland, uh, assistant coach, and then over to Florida State. Worked with Coach Chris Poole. Uh, you know, ironically, he had offered me an assistant job when he was at Arkansas, probably back in like 2006, seven. So he just won a national championship, maybe with the men and women. And, and to be honest, I, I feel God called me to go take that job. I went and prayed about it with my wife and had a great piece about it. And uh, I kind of wimped out. You know, I, I liked the success we were having. And uh, by God's grace, you know, um, seven years later, I ended up coaching with him. Uh, Florida State. So uh, to this day, I don't know all of the exact whys, but uh, again, I just am thankful for God's sovereignty in that. And uh, had a great time, Florida State, and, and uh, associate head there, a couple sweet 16s. And I really was at the point, hey, I, if I never am a head coach again, this is going to be awesome. Uh, I also said I never want to go back to a faith-based university because I just, I love still how I could share my testimony at some of these other universities. Uh, but Baylor came calling and, and uh, I answered the call and interviewed and, uh, and I'm excited to be there and I've uh, been at Baylor last uh, six years getting ready for season seven. Love it. Thanks for walking us through that. So you're, you're a, uh, a freshman going back to coach eighth graders. What was your draw to coaching? Most, most kids at that age want to go, they want to play it. They don't want to coach it. What was the draw? I, you know, I think always a strategic mind. Uh, I was, I was probably that kid, you know, on the basketball team, if I'm not starting or in, like, how can I get like two or three seats close to the coaches so I can hear what they're talking about and how, how they're making decisions. It, you know, when, when uh, my brother and I are playing He-Man or GI Joes, I felt I'm strategically, okay, who's going to help me on offense? Who's going to help me on defense? And, um, 
I, I, I did really appreciate the impact, you know, Rob Winger uh, had too. I, I think, um, you know, I helped out in junior high ministry through high school also. And, and I just seemed like the way that he was able to resonate, like, like he would get angry and yell at refs and yell at us as, as athletes, but uh, was so quick to seek forgiveness. You know, I'd never seen that from a coach before playing a lot of sports growing up. So the humility, the vulnerability, and really just for him, the simple principle of, of we're going to make God our head coach and uh, yeah. I'm going to try to be the best assistant to his will as possible. You know, that's something I, I've to carry with me through all of the team I've coached. And uh, I'm curious, Chris Poole, talk a little bit about him. What'd you, what'd you learn from him? It, he's, he's, it felt to me like Florida State might have been your finishing school. Like, okay, now it's time to head to the Division One level. Talk about Chris Poole. You know, Chris, such a great work ethic. Uh, you know, really the connection he had to us was uh, he recruited my wife. So uh, Jennifer Roberts was her maiden name. Um, Jen ended up playing at the University of Hawaii and doing some things with the national team. But they, uh, you know, my wife, a believer at the time, her parents really became uh, Christians later in life and joined Wycliffe Bible Translators. And it was only a few years later or and I have to check on, on the years, but um, he knew she was a Christian and my wife knew Chris was a Christian as well. And, um, you know, they kind of made a connection. I think uh, something happened to another athlete in the training room and my wife, you know, was kind of rushing in to, to help. And, and then Chris was kind of doing the same thing, just, just out of the nature of his heart there. And, it, and so they kind of stayed connected in her life and then we got married and, um, it, Again, we, we had talked, and I, I think we're very like-minded in a lot of areas. Um, and, yeah, I, I just I, I didn't make that trip to Arkansas. He started the program back there. He's a gym rat growing up and really just a, a relentless worker strategist as well. Uh, but he knows where, where the strength comes from. And, um, yeah, I just I learned a lot of professionalism from him and, and just – I think when I left NC State, I was always fearful knowing how I'm wired. Like, like could I have a family and still be a Division One coach? It probably mm -hmm. kept me out of Division One for a while because uh, the family was still important to me, and I wanted to make the same impact in my children that my parents did for me. But uh, I, I soon realized uh, junior high, high school, NAI, Division Two, Division One, I'm going to work the same hours. It's you know it's just a matter of being balanced, disciplined, and, you know, scheduling of the priorities each day. So let's, let's rewind even further. Let's talk about your parents. I'd love to hear what was the impact that they had on you that, that had you thinking when you're an adult, man, I want to, I want to have the same impact on my kids. You know, you know all the things I am most thankful for in my life uh, really is my childhood. Just you know, having hundreds of athletes and hearing the backstories and their stories and what they've had to go through and split homes and moving. And I've coached guys that lived in cars and different things. And uh, we didn't have much money, but, uh, you know, my dad had moved around a lot, probably had a very, very difficult, tumultuous relationship with his father. And he really, I think, changed the legacy of the McGuire family, I think. And just he wanted stability. Uh, was always very quick to um, remind me, hey, hey, Ryan, I love you. You know, those were words he, he really didn't get from his father till 
just at the very end. Um, he passed away in 2016. And, um, but throughout that time, he, you know, he wanted to play sports and really never had the opportunity because of how much his family moved and traveled. And he was always a new kid in school. And so he really, I thought both parents went out of their way to provide that opportunity for me and my younger brother, just the two of us, whether it was camps or just, you know, it was AYSO back then in the fall and, and YMCA basketball in the winter and tennis in the spring were maybe kind of the things I was going through. And then, you know, I made some all-star teams and got to play on those and uh, just really supportive. Uh, I think for them, you know, we had great family vacations. Hey, I'm in Moab here and, and uh, you know, me and my youngest son went on this all-day off-road adventure trip where we could just talk and have some great conversations. And so uh, my mom, a teacher of 30 years, um, teaching was her passion and, and did that at, uh, you know, private school for a long time. And the private schools I was able to be in had, had phenomenal teachers. You know, we talk about coaches that have influence, but uh, Becky White and Carolyn Peake and Rob Winger were kind of all these teachers at junior high that, um, yeah, I think really laid a great foundation for me in the future. Love that. What was the moment that you had as a coach that you thought, okay, I can do, I can do, I can coach at the division one level and still be a good dad? Uh, I think, you know, the whole time I was coaching in California, it was, it was, you don't know what division one was like other than, you know, when I was a, a grad assistant. Um, I think it was very humbling. You know, I was let go from CBU, so it wasn't like this grand farewell and, and go up. It was kind of, oh, you know, I need to go find a job to provide for my family. And uh, I think in that, that humbling experience, God just grew me. You know, I was reading uh, Radical by David Platt there and, and just, hey, what's really important? What's uh, the focus here? Um, I, I would say that maybe, you know, at Florida State, uh, I really, Chris let me do 99% of the training and he'd chime in and, and, but, you know, gave me so much, uh, leeway to take charge and plan practice. And, uh, we opened up and we were able to get a win at Nebraska. Who's, who's been a powerhouse in women's volleyball. They've been their only third non-conference home loss, you know, in like three decades or first one in 10 years or something like that. Uh, I think that was affirming because I, I felt like leading in, you know, my time at Maryland and Florida State since leaving California, I was uh, hopefully doing a good job as a father and husband and in, in, uh, keeping the priorities straight and uh, not getting caught up in, in you know, the, the stresses that D1 brings. And how do you do that? Like I, my, a lot of listeners of mine are coaches, and, and I think that, I mean, when you talk to coaches, that's one, both male or female, that's one of the primary topics of just uh, the stress and strains, but, but also the time commitment that, that, that takes yeah. to run a, a program. Like maybe give us some insight or, or advice on how do, you, how do you navigate both of those? Well, I think one, God, God will honor us, maybe not with wins, but honors us with, with joy in his presence uh, when we obey him. You know, I can't sing. My wife would tell you I have a horrible voice, but uh, obedience is is hopefully one of the ways I, I try and worship God. And um, man, it just when I start the day with Him, it, it feels like you get forty eight hours. And in those days when you come rushing in, 
and uh, oh, I got so much work to do. Those days, like, you know, it's, the whole day's gone. You're not sure you, you got anything done. So uh, for me, starting the day in the Word, letting Him guide and lead is, is absolutely key. Uh, I think, too, um, I think Andy Stanley wrote a book that's like 70 pages. I don't like the title of it, but uh, it's called Choosing to Cheat. And it's just the idea that, you know, sometimes it's better for me to maybe stop two minutes early and that's going to, you know, to spend time to take the call from the wife or to make sure I'm having valuable time with my children. That's going to save me two hours in the future. And some days I got to stop two hours early and that might save me two weeks to try and uh, save and reconnect my marriage. And if I got to take two weeks off or, you know, I'm, I, I love the vacations when we can get them and, and, um, you know, so, hey, spring break, this this is guarded. We're going to go do something. I won't recruit. I won't go do any coaching clinics or speaking things uh, those days. And that, you know, maybe saves you from having to take two months off to, to save and, and go through those things. And um, thirdly, I, I think I've learned to just be a little bit more efficient, too. You know, at the end of the day, like, all the work is going to be on your desk. Like, uh, I used to want to – I'm such a list guy, and you got to check everything off. I am a all work then I'll play like I can't go between back and forth because I want to get the work done before before I uh, relax or, or have recreation. But um, I've learned to just sometimes, hey, you just got to stop and come back and the mess on the desk is going to be there. Um, I think there's, uh, you know, there's that idea of joy in the journey as coaches we always want to talk about. And, you know, to be able to involve your family in that is, is fun. They don't got to get into the nitty gritty. But, you know, when we went to the final four and, uh, you know, my youngest son, Ryder, gets to come to the science museum for us for the banquet. Um, I think they know I've done a lot with athletes in action. So I've been able to take my son to Brazil and, and Ryder, the youngest of Mexico, my daughter to Ireland on some of those trips. So they, they know, like, hey, my coaching isn't just pulling me away, but it's, it's a chance for all of us to, to have an impact. Uh, so there's a balance in there. Um, you know, I, I think Christ was a good example of, of came and, uh, you know, uh, there's a time coaching, Hey, joy's in the journey. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to stop film. I'm going to stop whatever I can do. When a player walks in, I'll spend all day with them, hang out with them, go connect with everyone, hit all these lunches. And, uh, and it was, it was good. Again, I'm, I'm trial and error a little bit sometimes, back then and uh but maybe practice wasn't as efficient game plans weren't quite as done and then my nature prior to that was hey i'm, I'm gonna get all this film done practice done super efficient game plan but uh maybe it's kind of rough and, and i don't have that connection and, and so i've kind of landed you know the 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 joys in the journey but not at the expense of the final destination and, and to me that was that was just christ who you know did his job he met with the woman at the well train the disciples and, and and so often they hey just stop and become king let's start it and and so he understood that balance and in, in coming to the father daily and escaping which which i do enjoy doing because it really prepares me and fills me up uh but i'm so glad he made it all the way to the cross to die for our sins and didn't just you know stop and turn it into to all just hang out time so i try and balance balance all of that and, and be mindful of that it's really good well said i love that Okay, so you get the Baylor job. I'd love for you to maybe give us some insight into um, your walking into a program, and obviously you're wanting to put your stamp on it. You're wanting to get it in the, going in the right direction. 
as you're entering into Baylor, as you've as you've taken the job, give us insight into what you were thinking on. All right, here's the challenge in front of me. What are next steps? How did you attack that? How did you plan to grow that program? Well, I think going into it uh, from the past, like when I've started programs, you're, you're normally trying to go to a place where, man, the culture was bad. It's toxic. It's disruptive. And, and for me, originally, it's kind of a nice change because, you know, I don't think there's room for sarcasm. I'm not swearing at them. And mm. uh, definitely, you know, process uh, over results. But uh, the previous coach was great and highly respected. And, and I, you know, kind of and my thought what I was going into was totally different because there's really all these girls that were just uh, nice girls, you know. So now is how can we get the uh, competitive tenacity out of them? How could we raise the standards with, without tolerating much? Uh, so really it was a little bit different, but we just um, coming in had to really raise the standard. I, I think, you know, if, if the dreams don't scare you, they, they aren't challenging enough for you. And so there was a balance of, you know, Hey, we don't want you to be afraid of the unknown because here I am, here's who I am, be vulnerable as a leader. Uh, but then here's, here's how we're going to be challenged. And that, that, you know, it took us some time to wrestle through as a program and be like, we're really going to commit to this process. We're going to commit to these standards. We're going to commit to these expectations. And, um, you, you know, you don't win if you don't trust and, uh, along the way, we were able to get uh, get some great trust uh, from some key women of influence. And um, honestly, I'd say our culture changed because some of our walk-ons brought this fearlessness. You know, Baylor was was the bottom of the Big 12 and getting thumped by Texas and Kansas all the time. And, um, you know, I think our job as coaches is to be dream releasers in all of our athletes, so to help them dream big and, and – uh, that was something my father taught me. Like to be a blessing is is to be able to paint a future uh, for me that that is, you know, where I can't get to on my own to speak life into my future. And so mm-hmm. we uh, we were doing that. You know, we had some girls and Katie. You're you're an all American. Like and before, I don't think she believed it, but we said it daily. And then after a few weeks, there was you know a little bit of hope there. You know, and that's probably our second job as coaches always point them towards hope. And I've, I've had the losing seasons and, and those have been growing times, but if uh, you know, that's when the leadership is most needed. And so, and I would say Katie was one of those nice girls I inherited, but uh, it really wasn't nice, but we learned this value of kindness. I like this Christian virtue of kindness. It has a backbone that can speak truth and hold great strength to it. And so I often learn from my athletes as well. So she, uh, she oversees my budget, graduated, got her master's, and now I got to report to her for my travel budget and stuff at Baylor. So there you have it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's interesting as you just shared that. I w- it's, it's funny. But I think when you do hear most coaches going into a new program, the, there's a cleanup that's needed. Right. There's a, a, um, probably a softening of some edges, probably some, you know, where you're, where you're having to bring some intensity, maybe give us some insight into how, how do you create more of a, I think you mentioned the word tenacity. How do you do that? Yeah. You know, I, I think every coach wants every single athlete to be competitive. Um, you know, we've done things like strength finders, a lot of personality assessments and, 
and some athletes competitive is going to be one of their strengths. And, and so for those, it's as simple as just keeping score in every drill and know that we're statting and we, we bear pause if you win things and they, they want to achieve that. Uh, others have competitive is there. That's how God made them is really low there. You know, empathy is low for me. I've learned how to work on it and be better at it, but like that, I'm just not going to jump in and learn how to hug and cry to people. You, you know, I, I'm again, it's, it's something my wife has opened up to me, but uh, so we redefine competitors most ready, most often. How can I get my mind, body, you know, to, to the point of power, which is right now in the present, to, to, to be ready for that. And so that, that I feel has really helped the ones that are very relational based, which, which you do see in a lot of your, your women's programs where, where they want to make sure the connection with each other is really good and really strong. And, uh, you know, I found, again, as, as they feel strong, with each other, feel good about themselves. They're gonna they're gonna play much better. Uh, when I coached guys, they they needed to play better to feel good about themselves. Their identity was maybe tied into the the results of their game or, or their scoring. But mm-hmm. um, so and then uh, and then yeah, just trying to teach this balance of uh, vulnerability and accountability. And um, we, we ask that we learn how to be assertive. You know, God is assertive with us. And when we're assertive, it means we both count. Uh, if I were to be aggressive, we don't want aggressive. Maybe that's me just yelling at a player, telling the whole team how bad she is in front of everybody. Uh, maybe that's another player calling someone out for breaking a rule or doing something, you know, because they want people to know that they recognized it. Uh, that really says, like, it's all about me, pride. But we also don't want to be passive in it. Uh, passive would be me saying, hey, you don't count. Maybe it's a non-starter and she's not passing well, but I'm just going to skip right by her and focus on maybe a, a starting athlete or, or ones I connect better with. You know, it's kind of like saying, oh, you don't count. So uh, to be competitive, we got to be assertive with each other. Uh, we both count all the times. Uh, we talk about we'll rise to the standard we set. We'll fall to the level of toleration. Um, I, I've had teams that have been drama free, uh, but drama doesn't mean no conflict. You, you know, drama is conflict that not that's not dealt with. And you know, Proverbs that talks about, hey, we have a man. Uh, sorry, we have a brother. We have a sister born for times of adversity. So for us, we, I think the change is like we got to get excited about adversity. You, you know, and and man, all some of my best captains are the ones as freshmen, sophomores, and we we had to have meetings after meetings after meetings because maybe we're butting heads a little bit. But uh, because we chose to work together than then just split directions, we end up being a lot stronger and really better together because of that. So I think once we've been able to get excited about adversity, it's it's really helped. Um, I, I had a libero get mad, and she she's like, "Coach, you're almost creating it on purpose." You know, this is some of the early years and it's like no i would just we, we gotta you know mine you know dig into each other to get the these conversations out and excited and uh she's a friend now and, and i got to officiate her wedding so that's uh something i've never done before but uh, we laugh laugh about that where she thought i was really not trying to start fights but no i was trying to get everybody to really just share who you are so we can work through it all um, i'm not a coach leave your baggage at the door and then just come in and get the job done. Like hey, bring a, bring all of who you are. And, um, you know, for your family, we multiply the joy and in a healthy family, we know how to divide the burden. And 
keep it keep it on those two things. Let's just multiply joy and divide the burden the best we can. I love that. That's really good. I love your. Um, did did I hear that right? Drama is conflict not dealt with. Correct. And again, I'm stealing this from all sorts of places that have stuck with me. Couldn't totally. tell you which coach or which book I've read or, sure. or where it's at, but uh, not original to Ryan, but I think a, a timeless principle. Yeah, I have exactly zero things that are original to me, so I totally feel you on that. So I'm curious. Um, I love what you just said. I mean, there's there's just so much like um, – yeah, let's deal with things. Let's create an environment where I love the assertive, not aggressive. How different do you – can you coach men and women just like that? Can you do the same thing with both men's and women? Uh, I, I think, you know, we're all individuals. So I would say the atmosphere and culture when I was coaching guys and women, and I was doing it women in the fall and guys in the spring when I was at right. CBU. So – you know, I'd make a lot of mistakes on the women. So I at least would be like one or two years better each time I'd come back to the team for the next season. Uh, the drills, the standards, I, I think, you know, we praise what's repeated, criticize in, in private when we can. A lot of those principles are the same, but, um, you know, I, I think two qualities to win championships is, is you need uh, confidence and you need character. And the men normally walk in with this great uh, cockiness and we kind of got to funnel that into uh, confidence. So there's, there's, you know, confidence that kind of goes overboard, uh, but getting them to trust each other, to open up to each other uh, in a way that there can be this bond and brotherhood, you know, that takes more time. That, that's something we got to spend, spend time on. Uh, whereas the women in general, and again, I've had guys crying on me. I've had girls, throwing punches at others, um, you know, genuinely want, want to have the connection, want to have the relationships, uh, but, but struggle a little bit more in the self-doubt and the self-confidence aspects. And uh, um, so I think, I think the final destination is, is where we're trying to get there and, and really just basically be whole people before the Lord, but, but, but maybe uh, the motivation, the beliefs, the, the energy spent, uh, it really goes into every athlete a little bit differently, but, you know, trying to get them all, you know, confident so they can play their best when their best is expected. Uh, but, but also, you know, the best teams are leaving an impact, living a legacy or having a ministry, you know, so that their life is more than just their sport. So trying to get them to those two places uh, maybe takes extra work from different angles between the men's and women's programs. Yeah, I love that. That's good. Um, you mentioned – just a few things about yourself in, a, in some moments of self-awareness. I would love to hear uh, what are your strengths? How has God wired you that has allowed you to be successful as a coach? Uh, you know, I think one is he's given me a good memory. And uh, I, I don't know why, but, man, I can remember so much from maybe not just facts, but more so from experiences. I, I think uh, – I was probably always very observant as a young child and, and was able to personalize my faith at a, at a young age, but, you know, still questioning things and uh, seeker. I, I think I've just always been a seeker and uh, trying to find wisdom. Uh, to me, this great adventure or quest of timeless principles is just what I see myself on. Like, like what, what is 
what does mankind learn, you know, 2000 years ago, that's going to be relevant today in 2000 years from now. And uh, really that comes from the creator. I, I think, again, going back to my parents, they just gave me a lot of, I just seem to have the best teachers of, you know, there's growing up in those, those classes. So I think just the mindfulness and, you know, um, the legacy of people have gone before me that, uh, I'm, I'm in a position of influence and, and want to use that to uh, help others do the same. Um, anything else, other, other strengths, other gifts that um, have allowed you to be successful? Uh, I think pretty, pretty efficient. You know, want to maximize the time. I've, I've definitely, you know, even on the vacations, my wife would say, you need a vacation from my vacations because <laughs> how, how can, you know, we're going to squeeze in as much fun as possible and however many hours we have left. I'm, I'm definitely the guy, like when we go to Disney World, we're going to hit every ride twice and this is the order we're going to do it in and the least amount of steps and avoid the lines and get those time passes there. So um, I do feel you know, probably because I had to coach two teams simultaneously and their work time crunches, um, just I've learned to be efficient and maximizing the time to get the most out of it. Um, and I, again, I, I would say trusting, you know, when I try, I fail, when I trust God succeeds. And so maybe recognizing when I am tired to get out of my own way, I, I don't trust myself in making decisions when I'm angry or frustrated or upset. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, you know, I, I, I guess probably wisdom and not that I make always smart decisions, but wisdom that I've been pretty good in trying to surround myself with uh, some prayer warriors and always have uh, someone mentoring me where I can bounce ideas off of and, you know, hey, Ron, hey, Brian, like I'm angry. Here's how I want to react to my AD right now or here's how I want to react to the players Sometimes they're saying, hey, let like go for it. Like, you know, remember that that's uh, create peace when you're done. But and sometimes they're like, hey, that's Ryan, that's your pride. That's your envy. Mm -hmm. That's uh, that's not the Ryan we know uh, coming out. And so that um, that has probably helped me avoid a lot of mistakes and, and have people that are stand guard on my behalf uh, for me as well. I, I think that's just essential. I, I challenge all of our girls to have someone mentoring them have that companion like Jonathan was to David hmm. and, uh, and then mentor someone else. So love that. What is an area over the last, we'll just say over the last year, maybe last six months that you're really focused on that you want to improve in? You know, I think the uh, relationships just take time every single year and uh, the personalities are, are always changing, but, uh, I'm also getting older. I thought, you know, when I was young and coaching, I was like big brother. And, uh, it, you know, there was this decade where it's like, man, you know, are people going to find out that I don't know what I'm doing? Right. I was always worried that, okay, I'm just doing what I feel is best. And is that really the right thing in my head? I thought there would be this uh, decade of the golden years where everything you do is right and perfect and works well. And then there's that, you know, final decade of like, man, is he too old where he can't relate to him and doesn't know what's going on and is not connected. Uh, I feel a little bit that middle decade just doesn't exist now. So now, now I'm definitely no longer, you know, a big brother, but you know, it's grumpy old dad. The dad jokes are funny to me still, but they don't always resonate with the players as much anymore. Um, so really just 
you know, and just watching my own children grow up from my 17-year-old and even my 12-year-old, just that influence that social media is having on them so much is, uh, you know, they're growing up with screens in their face, faces and, and it, it just to, uh, to get their attention, hold their attention, we, you know, we got to do it in different and unique ways uh, than, than before. So um, what do I need to grow in? My, my social media game is, is pretty weak sauce. Uh, I really don't have one. Um, fortunately, I have good people on staff there, but uh, I, I think I probably should grow and, in, in, uh, you know, be using that platform more often. Yeah, I love it. Okay, over the last couple of weeks, I've just had um, multiple conversations about um, a couple topics. So I'm curious to get your take on these topics. How do you navigate? I'm guessing everybody on your roster who's not redshirting is thinking, I want to play. Like, not only do I want to play, like, I think I'm you know, there might be a few that are maybe younger that see some writing on the wall. But in general, I'm guessing you've got a lot of people wanting to play. You can't play everybody. How do you navigate playing time, the communication of playing time, the communication of not playing? Yeah. How do you navigate that? Uh, I think, one, I'm trying to remind them and make sure we have a, a relationship where, hey, my love for you has nothing to do with how much scholarship money you're on, whether it's walk on that or what you do on the court. Uh, I think, too, we really want to create the roles for them uh, early in a way that challenges them. And, and, yeah, hey, we want you to be, a, you know, if you want to be an All-American, you're going to have to hit at this standard and be this efficient and do that. And it doesn't just happen in games. we gotta, we got to monitor that through practice. So uh, I think, you know, you, you achieve what you measure and you reward. So, you know, we're, we're measuring statistically what we're doing. And again, you got to make sure the girls don't compare to each other because they, they are, they're, they're looking over their shoulders, but like, how can we get you to the next level? So you have pride and joy in your game. Um, but then knowing the role is, is, you know, we ask them, Hey, what, what's a dream season look like for you? And some it's about playing some, it's about, man, I want to feel real connected. Some want to have that opportunity. Um, we're pretty clear on, on here's what we think it takes to win the whole thing. Like, like we're still going to strive to win a national championship. So we got to uh, be able to eventually execute at this level. Here's what it takes. You just need to trust us uh, along the way. And, you know, whoever can be closest to that is, is going to have these opportunities to play and compete in it. Um, but I want them also, Hey, you know, are you satisfied? You gave everything, uh, in the gym today, like where are you champion today? Mm. Um, you know, we're big believers, you know, you, you need to know one way to play and, um, we can only worry about what's in our control. A lot is out of my control for, for you guys, like who starts is in my control. But, uh, if you're going to play to please me, you're, you're going to fall short. And if you're going to play free and, and use your talents, uh, to worship the Lord with it, uh, man, you're going to find this great joy that, that surpasses understanding and, um, you know, if you battle through it, persevere through it, that, that joy always comes. If it's about achieve, 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 you know, then, then we, we fall into behaviors where we're indulge, indulge, indulge. And that, that's, that's things I've been guilty of myself. And so, sure. um, it's a good problem to have, you know, it's, uh, when I got to Baylor is play who is healthy and who is good. And, you know, now, now, yeah, we'll, we'll have multiple high level all Americans and, uh, that's kind of what this week is about for me preparing. How can I 
make sure our uh, drills do that. So we, we have outside hitter, we have positional tournament competitions. And so uh, do create a lot of opportunities for them to go head to head and, and play and um, it tends to work, work itself out. Uh, one of the values I feel is, you know, we talked about, I give, you know, an award at the end of the year, like you never know when it's your turn to shine. And so the ability, if you end up not being a starter, to, but be prepared to come in and win and really execute, like, man, I, like I just, I speak that up because that's huge. I think it's even a harder role to have sometimes. And um, I, I think we've won championships or, you know, we, we've finished high and even recently in the Big 12 here just um, COVID people were sick and people got injured, but, um, you know, whoever we throw out on the court doesn't seem to matter. And so that's a testament to the girls playing together. Uh, I try and avoid an A versus a B team. So we don't, you know, uh, don't want to label a starter, non-starter. Like I kind of want my best blocker trying to defend our best attacker. Mm. So, you know, the idea of interchangeable parts and it keeps our gym really competitive. Um, again, 19, we're in the final four and, you know, I would, I would say our best leaders were our best servants. Um, I, I'm thinking of Nicole and Hannah and Brea, and, and man, they 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 won almost every day in the gym. You know, practice wise, and it just it pushed the rest of the girls. So, you know, if 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 it ends up being our starter team is the best team in the country, you know, I want to make sure the second team is the second best team in the country, and they get to battle and. I think sometimes we got to remind them of that. I, I think gratefulness will probably be a, a theme this year. My, my, my team is larger than normal because of the COVID and people that stayed to play and we still kept people coming in is, um, you know, you have opportunity to be in a gym with some of the best players in the country. You know, Yossi is national player of the year. And so, yeah, that, that makes it harder to win that position, but, um, it's also pretty unique, you know, it's, it's where well, you guys are top two, 3% of these hundreds of thousands of girls that are playing high school every year. Like, um, you know, what can we be thankful for in this as well? So it's good. Those challenges are, are every coach has them every year and, and uh, they're ever changing, but, uh, when we're that family that multiplies the joy, uh, it seems to go well. So are you consistently communicating throughout the year, especially obviously there's some there's probably some um, positions that have a little bit of a difference between the starter. And but on those ones that are close, is this a constant communication? Are you constantly communicating what what you need to do better? Here's where you're at. Like, what's that look like? Yeah, uh, like I said, we 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 are tracking everything we're doing in practices to go through that. Um and it's, you know, sometimes one position does affect another position. You know, uh, we may have a, a very offensive middle blocker go down and, and you know, sprain an ankle or, or struggling. And, and if, hey, we, we throw our next middle end is really good defense, but not so much offense. We, we may have to sub out a, a, another outside for a little bit more firepower. So I try and be to the best of my ability, really clear on what we're doing. Um, Honestly, like I said, a couple of years ago, the hardest thing was we were winning 3-0, 3-0, 3-0, 3-0. Hmm. And, and I wanted to get other players in there more. But, you know, it's still Division One. I'm, I'm not trying to mess with the chemistry or rhythm. So it, it really didn't create opportunities um, to get those Hannahs and Nicoles, you know, in more often. But we were good because of how they, they got after it. Uh, we communicated and – 
I think this is hard for athletes. Like I want the kids in the office every day. What do I got to do to play more? What do I got to do to play more? So I never want them to leave a practice unsure of that. Uh, you know, with that said, we, we got to kind of reach out and grab some of those shy ones because they're, they're not going to come in. And, um, you know, I feel like, you know, that's something I still got to grow on too is, is if, if you're not hearing from them, um, you know, they start making up their own stories or, hey, here's the story I'm telling myself. And, um, you know, we want them how they feel is truth, but, I, I you know, I want them to make sure – Here's where I see them. Here's where they're at. Here's what they need to do. So, That's good. Love that. Okay, the other conversation that I had uh, on multiple occasions over the last month or so, how would you articulate the difference between standards and rules? And then how does that play out in your program? Yeah. So we just have one rule, uh, do it the right way. And uh, the more rules you come up with, I think the more consequences you need to do. So uh, for us, um, volleyball is it's a participation sport. So in order to participate, here's, here's the standards, you know, those standards, Hey, we're going to have maximum effort. Uh, we're going to communicate with assertiveness. We're going to be on time and, you know, and then the girls will kind of come up each year with a little bit, you know, whether it's a curfew a nutrition, a diet, um, you know, rest is one of the best things we can do to re refuel or recharge your body. So uh, doing it the right way, hey, am I giving my body the optimum amount? And so when we're not doing it the right way, then, you know, you open the door to kind of be removed from it. So um, that for me, I, I feel, uh, you know, Marv Dumphy mentor on the, the tactical side did a great uh thesis his phd on john wooden and, and so um i'm not into the peer pressure you, you know if, if if somebody makes a mistake it's not hey the whole team on the line we're all running sprints and doing that uh there there are occasions maybe there's a time and place for it but again i i want i want to focus on the attitudes the habits the actions that we want well so we might hey that person's mistake hey we're, we're popping you out of a drill for 30 seconds you're you know, so you know why it's it's a star drill pop back in and everyone else gets to keep going and, and doing good rather than stop the whole gym and do that. You know, and now if the, the right way is, you know, it's a be on time and, hey, you've, you've forfeited the opportunity to practice today, be on time tomorrow. If it's, uh, you know, on the academic, hey, you've deemed yourself ineligible, you lose your scholarship, that's, that's pretty clear. Like, so uh, try and keep it simple that way, but then, you know, the challenge is like, okay, now let's instill these principles so they can embrace you know, the, the right way. And, and, you know, sometimes you just got to ask them, what, you know, what do you think the right way is? And uh, we all know sometimes deep down we know, hey, am I really my best effort, like a little bit of effort? And, and that's not just on the court, but, it, you know, was it my best effort in, in uh, encouraging my wife and son today? It was my best effort, you, you know, and, Tristan with his homework or, or, or was I really listening about his tennis match the, the other day? Um, you know, one way would be all of my effort. That's the right way. And so sometimes I got to make those apologies to them as well. Totally. That's really good. Really good. Uh, leadership development in your program. Do you guys, do you do captains? Do you have a leadership 
um, council? Is everybody involved? Like, how do you how do you navigate that? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a group we call the Mama Bears, and uh, for starters, uh, I want everybody, all twenty girls on the roster, to be leaders, and, and we really want to hammer home like the best leaders are the biggest servants. So, as a freshman coming in. We want you to be a leader. We want you to be a leader. Like we call them champions. We don't call them freshmen. And, and so you're going to have an influence no matter what, positive or negative. But, you know, with Christ as our example, and again, not, not everyone on our team or program knows the Lord and, and our believer, but, you know, they hear some of these truths and values is uh, Christ's example of serving. Like the best leaders are serving others. So, you know, we, we have our uh, seniors, you know, help the freshmen move in, bring them water, take down nets and pull up lines, not make them have all the grunt work, which I think is, is typical. And then, uh, and then within the mama bears, it's, yeah, it's, those are, those are optional opportunities to come in and it's kind of the leadership development. Again, we got freshmen through seniors in there and, and Hey, what, what does Proverbs say about being a, a godly teammate? How are we going to, you know, be socially fit, emotionally fit, physically fit, and, and what are those standards? And then, um, you know, the best teams are when the players own the culture. Hey, what what can I do better? What where are we at here? What are our, what are our challenges? And also be listening to uh, to that group. So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, having that memory and being you know just collected a lot of healthy devotions and and uh, hey, let's. Here's how we're going to instill confidence in our team this year, you know, holding on to positive experiences, de-emphasizing the negative. You know, that's what a leader does. Are we pointing people towards hope? Are you taking care of yourself? So, you know, can you choose joy? Things are difficult right now, but, you know, if you can choose joy, uh, you can use the best part of yourself to get through it and, and help others around you. So uh, I try I try and avoid uh, captain, so to speak. They probably have captain titles, but, um, I don't want to put so much responsibility on the shoulders of one or two people. And I have great athletes and ones that have and could have done that in the past, but we, we may have like court captains, like, like, Hey, these are the voices that we're listening to in the court. Uh, we're going to have like community engagement. So, Hey, these are the ones that are, uh, really being mindful of our team ministry and legacy. How are we impacting people off the court? Here's our two people that are in charge of our um, what we wear. Make sure we look good uh, when we travel. You know, hey, these are the ones that work with our dietitian. So we're talking about team meals and places to go. Uh, another group, hey, this this is our spiritual development group. These are the ones that are going to be mindful that hey, we add some curriculum or things or checking in. You know, and then so they'll come up with like, hey, it's a big sister, little sister, or we're doing triples coffee dates this week. And so again, when it comes from them, it kind of gets implemented. That's probably, you know, my bad days trying to manage every single one of those categories myself. Here's what we're doing. Boom, 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 boom. And not being efficient and tired and worn out. So uh, to be able to delegate some of those things uh, to, to the athletes. Uh, so everybody kind of serves on a different leadership aspect of, of the team and um, what that looks like. And, you know, I feel like they get to have a voice in there and they can kind of come up with it. And do they pick which, which area they get to serve in or do, is it assigned? They, they, they do. Uh, so in our first team meeting, um, which I'm getting prepared for, that's August 7th. 
you know, I'll kind of describe the expectations from it. And it's kind of twofold. They choose it. But, uh, you know, I also ask first, like, like, hey, athletes, who, who do you think would be good at that? And, and you know, sometimes one or two different people will be clear choice for, for some of them. And do you want to do it? Yes, pop in. And then, uh, and then who else would like to join them? And then, you know, um, so some may have three on it. Uh, we deal with social media. I think uh, probably the key thing that might help coaches is, is the disciplinary part of it is, is also player-led. And, and again, I'll oversee it, but I found that to be really helpful. Like, hey, man, there, maybe there's kind of more of a major issue. Uh, something happens and all right, what, what can we work together? You know, this, this one athlete at fault, maybe this group of other four where, you know, we feel like things are resolved. We have restitution. There's this balance of grace and truth. And is there a consequence that's needed? And hey, but also what are the expectations moving forward so that we're back to a point of trust and grace? And, and you know, so the rest of the team's not grumbling like, oh, you know, coach should have been harder on her or coach was too hard on her. Like, hey, where's that balance so we can really forgive and forget, and let that go and, and move move on. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, tell me a little bit about your retreat that you're on now. What's the what's the purpose behind it? What are your what are your uh, what are the things that you're doing on this retreat? Yeah. So uh, I prepare for our first meeting, and in that first meeting, we uh, we talk about our dreams, our uh, motivation, beliefs, and our uh, our goals. What our goals are going to be for the season. Uh, goals are different than, you know, the, the dreams might be, hey, we want to win a national championship. We want to win the Big 12. Uh, goals to me are, are the, uh, the character driven, you know, what are the themes that we can fall back on? Maybe a dream is to be undefeated, but if you lose your first match of the year, does that mean your whole season's lost over? Like we got to have things that we're working towards and working for. So uh, there's some time in prayer to kind of see where we'll land on that. Um, you know, if, if it's a year where I feel like, man, you know, early years, like, man, confidence, maybe that's something I'm going to do. And, okay, what does God's word and others say about confidence so I can build that in? Uh, we talk about, so, you know, hey, what, what kind of ministry or legacy do we want to have this year in that? Uh, I reworked the structure from, uh, hey, what are the expectations? Maybe what has changed in the game statistically that we might need to focus on? I got sidetracked and did watch USA Turkey women's volleyball uh, this morning. Um, I will write a card with uh, to each girl individually. And, and again, I think that's part of uh, trying to speak life into them. On like, here's here's the gifts and talents I feel you have, and uh, here's the ways I think you can use them. Here's why I'm thankful you're on the team. So it's uh, it's getting those notes, and when you got 20, that takes more time than you think. Uh, but then also praying for each of them and where they are in their walk of the Lord for that. And then uh, I prepare also for our staff retreat. So August 2nd, 3rd, 4th, I will take our staff out. And, uh, you know, we, we do everything there from, uh, okay, what, you know, how can we be a blessing to our athletes this year? What is that going to look like to the nitty gritty of, of here's the schedule Here's, here's when we need boxes and elastic and 180 balls on this court and 20 balls on this court and kind of go through the structure of the schedule. Um, we pray for our athletes during that time. We uh, get competitive, whether it's uh, 
cornhole or board games or something like that for some of the nights. Um, and then I, you know, I, I want to review, you know, Hey, here's, here's kind of my core covenants. Like, like these are things that, that I feel are, are essential to our success this year. I'm just not going to budge on, don't talk to me about it. Like we're, we're doing it. You know, you got to be all in on it. Here's what maybe falls under uh, convictions. Hey, this is my experience over last 20 years doing it. I, I have, strong beliefs in these things, but, but we can talk about it and, and, Hey, these maybe fall into the opinions, please. I, I want, I need as much information as possible in here. And, um, you know, there's always a changeover in staff, whether it's strength trainer, athletic trainer, technical coordinator, uh, Baylor, I've been blessed. It's been mostly from the coaches is the same than that key support staff. That I think interacts with the girls, uh, changes significantly. And, and just, I think for them to hear my heart and where I'm at and, you know, Hey, here's, uh, like I said, I, I, I think there's going to be something along Thanksgiving or gratefulness, uh, part of that theme this year. And it's like, okay, us, let, let, you know, you want no complaining or grumbling at all ever, but, uh, you know, it's something that's contagious and I hope it brought it out a little bit more than, than maybe it should have. And, um, you know, we talk about shining like stars and so, how can we as a staff better at that? And so, um, so during this retreat, I, I am preparing for that. And then I do, I, I do plan out probably the first two weeks of practices uh, to be efficient. You know, we got new names, new faces and new places and how, you know, if, if it's a year with four middles, we rotate every four minutes at 16 minutes. If it's a year of three middles, we rotate every five minutes at we get that 15, 16 minute window. So, um getting into the weeds of those details and then uh yeah then i'm going through a couple of books to to read and and um you know they're they're opening my eyes to some good things that that i haven't thought or been able to present love it thanks for walking us through and great segue um into my next question i always end ryan with three questions the first one is what are you currently reading or listening to that's helping you grow uh, i'm enjoying the book the twin thieves uh, yeah, how great leaders build great teams. Uh, Steve Jones, Lucas Jaden. So I know they got quite a few of them out there, and uh, I've just only recently kind of discovered them. So um, yeah, I'm enjoying Twin Thieves. Real, real easy, simple story. But um, yeah, it just gets the creative juices flowing again and helps me remember things that I have forgotten and then open my eyes to some new ways to present it. So. Uh, hey, I'm going to have my girls crumple up, paper, you know, write some fears down, crumple them up, throw it in, and, and now I'm going to pick them out. So, I've, I've, yeah. Love it. I just interviewed uh, Lucas Jaden last oh, week. So, well, really sharp guy. I, I got to go find that one and listen then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what advice would you give a young person just getting into the coaching profession? Uh, I think go find that mentor so you can uh, learn what they're doing well, so you can learn from the mistakes that they've uh, made. Uh, I, and, and again, I, I think keep starting that that day in the in the Word and uh, let God be your head coach. Again, I try, I fail, I trust He succeeds. And in the days when I'm down, I find encouragement. The days when I feel inappropriate or, or uh, uh, just don't don't have the knowledge in Eps, I guess the right word. Uh, he seems to give me the answers uh, through that. And so I think uh, praise what you want repeated and um, 
that feedback as a young coach, I think too much is, is worse than none, but uh, they're always doing something well or something that you can encourage them to do well. So uh, I think just be mindful of your feedback uh, in doing it. If you can keep that frequent, um, they're going to listen. They're going to buy in and do it. Love it. And the last question, who would you like to hear talk about their background, talk about their leadership development in their program, how they build culture? Yeah. Who would you like to hear? Uh, well, I, Tony Dungy's books have been great. And, and I love, uh, I love hearing from uh, coaches from different sports uh, as well. Uh, so Tony Dungy, I, I would love to have lunch with him and, you know, because he also values the fatherhood and in, in the big picture as well. Um, I, I think because I've always been a, uh, a seeker, like, you know, if you talk about the who's who in volleyball, like Hugh McCutcheon has won medals and, and he's given his time to me. Mary Wise was when I didn't know what I was doing. I was working camps there. John Spraw on the men's side. Uh, like I said, Marv and, and uh, at, at Pepperdine, but I, I, I love, you know, he's not a coach. I, I wish King David could come back to life and I would just love to hear from uh, his perspective. And I know he can read in there, but uh, such a leader of men and, you know, he goes from performing miracles to making horrible decisions and just navigating through that. Uh, I'd be very intrigued. I'd love to have a lot of those those conversations there. Um, yeah, I, I think Tony Dungy comes to mind right now. And probably when we get off, I'll think of three or four other names. Totally, totally. Well, if you have Tony's cell number, maybe you could share that with me. Yeah, I uh, I don't yet, but I'm hey, I'm still dreaming. Um, no doubt. You know, Scott Scott Drew at Baylor has been phenomenal. Loves the Lord, and, and just to see what he's done with our men's basketball team uh, has been spectacular. He he got Tony to come talk to the guys before the national championship match, so I think I know how to track it track it down. So um, I love it. Yeah. I, I had a guy. I had a we were another guy that does a podcast. He was. I said, man, I don't know how I'd get a hold. We were talking about another coach, and he's like, dude, shoot or shoot. Go figure it out. And I'm like, yeah. I hear you. It's good, yeah. good yeah. advice. But, uh, no, yeah, you get uh, Scott Drew on here. He's He's been doing it better than I have and uh, ten times more energy while it's doing it. So uh, love, yeah. love listening and connecting with him. And I'm blessed to be right on campus at Baylor. Totally. Well, Ryan, dude, thanks so much. Well-spoken. Dude, I love the depth that you have. You, it feels to me like, uh, and you mentioned it, and I'm glad you did, some some serious wisdom, some serious insight. I love to hear about your faith. So, dude, thanks for taking time out of your, your retreat and um, to join me. I appreciate it. Hey, it's been a pleasure. It's uh, It's been a great spark. And, uh, yeah, I, again, the fear of the Lord is beginning of the wisdom, and I, I'm just blessed that I had great teachers, parents, and coaches that really instilled that in me at an early age. And so hope, hopefully we're all doing the same. Love it. 